we are here right now and we should look towards where we want to be. We should look to what, towards how we want to feel. When having said that as well, it's like our ego tends to always take us out of the present moment. So we're either like really busy still with something that happened in the past or we're already really busy with something that has happened in the future, right? And this is just fully eliminating the fact that we are on this beautiful journey, right? And to me, this is why nature has been such an important part of my life because when I'm by the ocean or when I'm in the woods or in the forest or I'm just on a piece of grass somewhere and I'm just present with what's happening right there in that moment in time, this is when we find glimpses of enlightenment, glimpses of ultimate unconditional love for yourself and for the environment because we're just in this beautiful present awareness state where we're not bound by the past and we're not bound or tied to the future and this is also where you get to truly check in with yourself like how am I feeling what's going on what do I truly want in life welcome to today's episode of unleash thyself I am your host Constantine Moroon and today's guest is Stephanie Cornelisa Stephanie is passionate about helping all humans on their journey. She's a female embodiment mentor on a mission to help high-achieving women step out of the cycle of overworking, keeping busy, and feeling exhausted from being in their heads all the time. So, prepare yourself for an unforgettable conversation that's sure to leave a lasting impression. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself, the podcast that inspires and empowers you to unleash your full potential. I am thrilled to welcome Stephanie Cornelisa to the show. Stephanie, we can't wait to hear more about the experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today and your unleashed moment, the moment you knew you were on your own path to becoming the best version of yourself. Stephanie, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much. What a great introduction. Thank you so much for having me on the show and to share my knowledge and share my wisdom and most importantly, my journey to, yeah, where it's left me where I am now, I guess, you know? Um, exactly. So where would you like to start with your journey? I believe that we have soul contracts coming into this life. So my journey started the moment I chose to come into this life and all the lessons that came with that, right? So I was brought up in a pretty broken family and my parents did stay together for a very long time, even though they probably shouldn't have, like, you know, some families do because of trauma bonding and things like that. So in my childhood, I had to fend for myself from a pretty young age and had to be responsible from a very young age as well with like lots of things that had happened. So my dad has been an addict for his whole life and that obviously really affected my childhood living with him and my mom and their toxic sort of relationship and how all the programs that I got downloaded from them all the conditionings that I got all the love languages that they use and you know how I felt not good enough for most of my life and how I had to be in this like survivor mentality from a very young age like fending for myself like I just said and I had to just have these massive walls up of protection because people that were so close to my heart didn't put me as a priority, right? They didn't, I was not a priority in, in my upbringing. If anything, I was usually the kid that would look after their parents, you know, and making sure mom and dad got home all right. And, and so I think a lot of people can probably resonate with like parents fighting and kids getting involved. And, you know, there's much more actually that happened, but 
you know, there's so many parts to each and every single one's story, right? So just to briefly have an overview. And then probably when I was about, I guess I was 18, I started to get really, really depressed to the point where I had suicidal thoughts. And I went to my first group therapy, which at the time was called Get a Grip on Your Dip. And it was like a group of us with other, other children as well. And then from that moment onwards, I just basically went in and out of group therapies, also private therapies, like special therapy for kids with parents that had addiction. And yeah, I had to like work through a lot. And then my parents finally, finally got a divorce when I was about 23. And that was a really hectic time in my life, I guess, because there was a lot of turmoil. All the family was involved, the police, like it was just a lot, it, a lot happened. And from that moment onwards, I think I started my own personal journey of that moment of like, okay, I'm here by myself. I'm here to just do things on my own and I need to make a change. And after some really, really intense therapy that I had for years, I decided at some point, okay, I need to break free from all this conditioning from my family and from everything that has happened. And I need to just be by myself. And that's when I decided to leave Amsterdam because I was born and raised in Amsterdam. And I moved to Australia. And when I arrived in Australia, I got to experience what it was like to be me and who I wanted to be. And I had this moment of, wow, like I now get to just be who I, who I am because people don't know my story. People don't know my background. They're not automatically being put in this box of like, oh, that's a kid of the parents that have like, you know, she went through so much. Now it was just Steph that could just be whoever she wanted to be. And I started to go on this whole exploration journey of really finding myself, like, who was I? What was I standing for? Like, what was my purpose? And really coming home to myself more and more using all these different beautiful modalities, such as plant medicine and NLP and harpe ceremonies, Kembo ceremonies, so many different seminars and, this, you know, the personal development industry. And this is why I really find, found my way home to myself and Later on now, I'm working a lot on on the feminine and masculine energy because, you know, when you've been in such a survivor mentality for such a long time, you it's, it's this masculine energy, right? Because you're protecting yourself. And we all have this, males, females, but especially as females, we're so used to being this hyper-independent, I can do everything on my own, I don't need anyone to help me. And it's actually going against the grain at the moment. So it's really what I now specify in because I've walked the walk, right? So I can talk the talk because I've been there and I've done that. So I've integrated the whole experience now as a beautiful, loving experience that I now get to share with others. That was a really brief overview. (laughs) Stephanie, I I really appreciate you sharing that with us. What a journey. And there are so many parts in which I want to ask you more questions, but let's let's touch a bit more on the feminine and masculine energies. And you mentioned the uh, women working with both energies right now, and and the shift that's happening in the world. Can you talk a bit more about what you've seen from walking the walk and what you work with your yeah. clients? Yeah. On? So what I'm seeing a lot is that my clients, because they've been so hyper independent in the past, and you know, lots of females have because we've went through this whole phase of like feminism, right? We're like, we can do everything on our own and we don't need any men. And and I don't think like there's not, I don't have anything against that, but I really don't think it's been good for the balancing out of the energies because because of that, I believe that a lot of males have become a little bit lost as in like, okay, well, you don't need me for anything. Like 
who am I here to be? And I really, truly believe that we're going back to the roots a little bit more. We're going back to the indigenous wisdom. And I can speak into a prophecy a little bit later on, but it's like for us females that have been in this, you know, what I just said, this hyper-independency, like working hard, not needing anyone, like being able to survive on our own, like being wanting to control every single outcome and wanting to control all these things and being so hard on ourselves is not something that is serving us because as females, we need to move more into this surrendering energy, this beautiful trusting energy, this nurturing, this loving energy, because we're not men. We are very different. So, you know, men are like the sun. They come up and they come down. They're really stable. They're really, you know, they're grounded. They can provide, they can hold. And then the female, the females, we're like the moon. We go through all these phases. We have all these hormone imbalances, like throughout the month, like we're very different. So we need a lot more softness and we need a lot more caring and a lot more nurturing. And when we are able to come back to that as females again, we can finally let our guards down and be in this beautiful flow that we have in this magnetic energy where we are able to manifest anything that we like and it comes to us rather than us trying to grab everything, which is such a masculine way of doing things. And for males, that works because they are like that, right? They are more stable. They're more practical they're more analytical they calculate risks and things like that and for us females it's not natural for us okay well thank you for explaining that stephanie i never really looked at it that way and now as you're talking i'm having some aha moments of um, some of the differences that you may know deep down but you never really gave it a second to think about mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and how are you seeing the reaction of the people you work with when you bring up these ideas light it all it almost always comes back to this worthiness piece right and this feeling good enough because once they start acknowledging themselves and once they start to build this beautiful loving relationship with themselves where they have positive affirmations and they talk to themselves really positively they build this they renew this connection with their bodies again they renew the connection with their, themselves this worthiness piece comes into play because all of a sudden they're worthy of their own time they're feeling good enough to chase the dreams that they want to chase and because they're changing their internal reality their external reality starts to change as well because everything is a reflection and everything is a mirror so the more they start working on this softness and this trusting and surrendering the more they can see that externally outside of themselves where they attract more situations where they are able to surrender and where they are able to trust exactly so it sounds like it's a complete shift of mindset and and outlook on life right so it's leading from a place of if i understand correctly of course leading from a place of love for oneself and from a place of knowing thyself or knowing yourself Mm. really well and now because you're doing that the universe provides more of those experiences because now you're aligning yourself with who you're supposed to be yes exactly and manifestation or with the universe like that's a really beautiful way of looking at it and i love looking at it that way but we can even back this up with science because You know, I'm a bit of a neuroscience geek as well. I love everything, neurological pathways and things like this. So basically we have an RAS filter filter system in the brain. It's the reticular activation system. And the easiest way for me to explain that in a really brief, in a really brief overview is that, for example, you think about, I want to go ahead and buy a red car. And then all of a sudden you see red cars everywhere, right? Like everyone's experienced this. So what happens is that there is an unconscious thought. In this case, I want to buy a red car. And this RAS filter system that filters out 90,000 impulses on a daily basis needs to filter through whatever it can filter through because our our brain is not able to 
comprehend 90,000 impulses a day. It's way too much, right? So it needs to be quite specific in what it allows through. So in this case, I want to buy a red car. This RAS filter system will just, in your external reality, filter out, oh, see, there's another red car. Oh, see, there's another red car. Oh, see, there's another red car. And then your, your perception of that is like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Now I see all these red cars. But this also works with belief systems. So, for example, if there's a deeply rooted belief system that says, I am not good enough, what this RAS filter system will do is will filter out experiences in your external reality that affirm to you that you are not good enough. Oh, see, you're not good enough. Oh, see, you're not good enough. Oh, see, you're not good enough. So this is, a, this is where manifestation becomes a little bit more sciency, where we can actually see, hey, in the brain, this is actually how it works. So it means that those unconscious beliefs that people have had for a very long time, and it is important, very important to note that this doesn't mean that you need to have had really bad trauma, because ultimately, this is generational trauma that we're dealing with. This is energetical imprints that we get from our parents. So they might have carried beliefs when they were younger of not feeling good enough. And as children, because we're so open, we've been energetically imprinted with what they were thinking at the time. So these unconscious, deeply rooted beliefs actually dictate your reality. And 95% of this is unconscious. So you are unaware of it. So this is where the key shifts are happening with my clients because the awareness kicks in and I take them, I take them on a process to deep dive into those beliefs and understand when they were first installed and rewire those neurological pathways so that they can attract a different external reality. Well, that's an incredible insight into how all of this works. And thank you for sharing that, Stephanie. What I'm seeing in my life as well is a lot of the same things, right? And I, I took a step back. I'm someone that likes to be logical as much as I can. And in my professional life, I always look at situations from an analytical point of view and then from an emotional point of view. And what you just described makes so much sense to me because if I'm, let's say, someone that's miserable and I'm always looking at the negative things that's happening or that are happening in my life or in the world, and I keep repeating those, why would I see anything else in the world? Because like to your point, things will have to be filtered. I almost have like blinders on and I only see what I believe inside. So by shifting that mentality, and that's something I've been working on for the last few years myself, leading with positivity, leading with love for yourself and for others, all of a sudden you see more of those things in the world because to your point with the filters, now other things are showing up or being magnified because my brain can only process and deliver so many messages. And now I'm seeing all of those and I've never heard it explained the way you did. And that's such a good analogy mm. because like you said, we've all experienced that. And I've, I've had that example with a car as well. I wanted to buy a yellow car at one point in my life and then a bunch of yellow cars kept showing up in my mind, of course. And I'm like, okay, we got to buy that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you focus on, you find, you know, what you focus on, you find. And what you believe, you perceive, you know, there's all these little nuggets where it's like, okay, if you want to see something, your perception will find it. So that means we can find happiness, yes. right? We can find love. We can find money. We can find anything your heart desires. And that's, I think, the message that we want to leave everyone with because, you can find all these beautiful things in life. You just need to look for them and make a choice. I believe it's about choices as well, right? Make a choice that I want to find these beautiful things in life and then take an action yes, towards totally, that. Yes, totally, totally. It's just 
The only thing with that is that, you know, the unconscious mind ultimately is the dictator of your reality. So if you want to find something and you're really conscious about what you want to find, if you still have an unconscious belief that's holding you back somewhere or that is deciding that you are not worthy of it, it's really difficult to then attract it because, you know, yes, manifestation is, you know, every month, like I do my manifestations too, you know, every month and it's an important thing to do, but it's like, ultimately you need to also do the work on the unconscious programming in order for that to allow to come into your life. Well said, and I agree with you hundred percent. And I know you mentioned that your journey of self-discovery started about a decade mm-hmm. ago. What were some of the biggest aha moments you've had along the way? Because there must have been quite a few. (laughs) There's been so many. I guess, oh, wow, there's so many. The first thing that sort of comes to my mind is this unattachment to any outcome. I think that is really a big thing. And I think what I've been, I can probably speak into more of what I've been personally moving through lately. And it's this really, really deep trust. Like in every single given moment in in time when I'm moving through something, it's like, okay, but can I trust that life happens for me at all times? And can I trust that everything is on purpose always, even though I can't see it? So I've been really working on like being in a lesson. And while I am in the lesson, already seeing the lesson and reframing it, because oftentimes we can see it, you know, six months later. And this is a process that I've worked on ex- like excessively right over the last few years so it's not something that comes easy you have to work for this but I think ultimately it's like when you're in the lesson to reframe it and already see the lesson while it's happening shit makes you shift through stuff so much quicker right and also resisting and accepting like when you resist something what you resist persists so the more you are resisting something that needs to be integrated so something that might be coming up for you and I've been speaking to this with this about this a lot with my clients, like a lot of people are tending, they tend to suppress, they tend to not want to deal with things. But what people don't understand is that it will just come back harder and it will just come back more. So ultimately what we need to do and and what the experience in life is, what life is about, I think, is that we get to feel all of it. We get to feel the fear. We get to feel the anger. We get to feel the sadness. We get to feel the joy. We get to feel all of it, right? And I think once we learn how to do that and we have the right tools to navigate that journey, life becomes so much easier because we're all of a sudden no longer carrying this heavy backpack of stuff that we haven't yet integrated from the past. And we can start emptying it out. Yes, I can resonate with everything you said there. And I, one thing that always comes back to my mind when I talk to friends and family and even myself, right? you always wonder why the best stuff happens in someone's life, right? Why you, to your example, you're experiencing all of it. Why? And to me, again, going back to logic, because that's what I know. If I didn't have a sense of the pain, the suffering, the the things that come with the darker Mm -hmm. sides, how would you know the good things? How would you know how good something is? If you you have nothing to compare Mm -hmm. it with. And it's the other way around as well, right? If you're always down on yourself if you're something you're not really seeing the joyful side of things you have nothing to mm-hmm. compare with so you, when you work because of course you were in a in a spot where you had a tough childhood right even early adulthood and you were a lot more in the negative space of mind what finally brought you out of that and you realize that you know what i have a choice i can i can make that happen knowing everything that we just talked about like what were some of the things that 
you would tell others, hey, you know, I've gone through this and these are some of the things that have helped me. It may not help you, but you can try them out in your life. Yeah, well, I think for me, nature is such an important part of my mission and what I'm here to do. And when I, you know, firstly started connecting with nature a lot deeper, and I'm just talking about grounding, you know, like connecting with nature, understanding how everything is interconnected. I think that is really when things started shifting for me because all of a sudden I started to find meaning to life and I started to find purpose in life. And, you know, initially I started working as a Campbell practitioner and I'm still am a Campbell practitioner. And, you know, when you start working with medicines like this and you can see the, the potency and the power of what it holds, you can then also see like, wow, so that also means that I get to unlearn everything and I get to undo all the stuff that I've learned so far, which means that I no longer have to carry this heavy backpack. Like I can actually start emptying out it out. And I think that sort of was the initial glimpse of like, oh my God, so that means that I don't have to live like this forever. I actually can change things and I can do something different. And there's a couple of beautiful points that I want to touch on, but one is you mentioned this already, becoming aware of, let's say, a problem or what you want yeah. to change. And what, that's what I've come to realize as well is awareness is like half the battle. Because if we're not aware, we're not going to make mm -hmm, any changes. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you become aware, it's almost like you can't put the genie back in the bottle. You can't put the blindfold back on because now mm -hmm. you're aware that something is not working and you want to change yeah. it. I think, you know, our society nowadays just really keeps people distracted all the time. And there's so many things that are happening at all times. And, you know, I'm a yoga instructor as well. And yoga has been a big part of my journey when it comes to, you know, present awareness, mindfulness, meditation, self-inquiry. One of the main aspects of yoga is Svatyaya, where you really dedicate to self-inquire, which means that, okay, like something is happening or there's a trigger that's happening and, you know, like relationships or, or family, like you'll always have triggers that are coming up. Like they will never stop. But it's all about, okay, cool, I am being triggered. And rather than Ba, 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 reacting straight away, can I pause for a moment and can I actually figure out within myself why I am being triggered? What, what feeling is it actually bringing up in me? And then if you have the right tools, you can even take it as far as how did I create this reality for myself? And oftentimes what I see with my clients and what I teach my clients is that triggers or you know, if something is being brought out in you, all it wants to do is show you that it's there and it needs to be looked at with so much love and compassion because it's just a part of you that is hurt. And it's also not about letting go. I don't really believe in the concept of letting go. I believe in the concept of integrating because, you know, something that it is a part of you, you can't let go. It's part of you, right? So it needs to be integrated back into your system with so much love and so much compassion because it's just a part of you that wants to be seen, heard, felt, and acknowledged. Does that resonate? Absolutely, 100%, Stephanie. And I mean, I took a pause there because it's almost like you're speaking directly <laughs> to me with those specific topics, especially the idea of reacting in the moment, reacting without thinking, reacting on autopilot. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've been working on really hard, but it's still that it still comes up quite often. And I've never really reframed it the way you mentioned as looking as part of me that just wants to be heard, seen, mm -hmm. loved. And that's such a beautiful way of, of seeing it. So if someone comes to you and they have these impulses, right, where they, they react in the moment, and I'm, 
you know, I've seen many people that do that, including myself, as I mentioned. How does one begin the work? Is it, like you said, through yoga and meditation and other things, or does it go even deeper than that? And I know we mentioned Kambu, and we'll go back to that. But I'll, I just want to leave it with that and see what, what your thoughts yeah, are. Yeah, sure. So I think when people have triggers, like, you know, triggers are a beautiful thing because ultimately they're just another way of getting to know ourselves, right? It's another way of undoing the stuff that's been there for such a long time. And I explain this framework to my clients and it's about the extended, the expanded version of yourself and the contracted version of yourself. And you touched base on it before, like we have a choice in every moment, right? So the contracted version of ourselves wants us to stay the same. It's the person that wants to stay in the comfortability. It doesn't want you to change or shift anything. Just stay the same. Don't do anything different. Repeat the same patterns. Do like you've always done. This is the contracted version of us. And a lot of people listen to this version of themselves all the time because they are unaware. But then we also have this expanded version of ourselves. And the expanded version of ourselves is the, the version of us that can see the highest timeline or the highest outcome of a situation, right? So that means that you'll have to do something different and doing something different is moving outside of the comfort zone. So you'll have to move through the uncomfortability to then come to where you want to be, which is the most expanded version of you. So in this case, if you're someone that reacts often, the version of you that you ultimately want to be is this calm version of you that doesn't, that doesn't, react but maybe can respond right but that means that you need to lean into something that you haven't leaned into before which is feeling what you're feeling because this is the biggest topic like feeling what you're feeling is so important because someone says something to you and you're like it's doing something to me and then reaction straight away right rather than hey okay pause what am I actually feeling right now and that is uncomfortable because we don't want to feel often And then you also have this, that a lot of people, because they've been in survival mentality for such a long time, is that they tend to float outside of their bodies. And when people float outside of their bodies, the mind is the number one sort of tool or equipment thing that navigates life. But ultimately, we need to move back into the heart, right? But if we are floating outside of our bodies because we've had to for such a long time because it's been unsafe in our bodies, then this autopilot reaction or this hard disk that we have with the auto responses and reaction kicks in straight away. So ultimately, it's like the more we can come back into our bodies by emptying out our energetic container of shit, this is what I like to call it with my clients, the more we are then able Mm -hmm. to feel in a moment like that, okay, I am being triggered right now, but hey, pause, what am I feeling? And ultimately, it it almost always leads back to not good enough, not worthy, all these core, hard, hardcore beliefs that everyone carries, right? And so when we don't feel good enough and someone triggers that in us, we, we become this little child again. And it's like, ah, you know, because you've experienced it before. So it's like this old wound that just opens up. And then all the backlog from all the times before that you felt that way is obviously loaded in this one moment and then the reaction comes out. But when we can actually feel if like, okay, I'm feeling that this is a feeling of not feeling good enough and this hurts and it's uncomfortable, but I want to react calmly. And then you can communicate and verbalize your feelings. Hey, I am now feeling that there's a trigger arising. I am now feeling that I'm not good enough. And it would mean so much to me if you could next time frame that differently so it's not so triggering for me. Wow, that's so This is like a, a basic sort of tool or framework that I talk about with my clients, right? Because this is practice. This is not something that happens all at once. And 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 therefore it is really important to also do the work on this in this energetic container because 
you know, we all need to clear out some stuff first before we can sort of step into this version of us because it doesn't just happen overnight. And it's a process of clearing out and moving towards, right? It's like working in the past, but also working in what what version of you do you want to be in the future, right? And it's just about creating that awareness and working with someone, I guess, really allows for you to, okay, this is me. And and as a mentor, like it's so easy for me to see someone's highest timeline and highest potential and lowest potential. And I can really just make it really clear and be like, hey, are you aware of this? And this is where everything starts, awareness, right? You just said it. Exactly. Wow, Stephanie. (laughs) Thank you for that. And again, it's like you're speaking directly (laughs) to me. And I can relate to so many parts of it. And I think the biggest aha moments for me was, of course, the awareness Mm -hmm. piece. Then the, the idea that this is not going to be easy and it's not going to happen just because you want to be a better version of yourself, right? It's going to happen by putting the work in but knowing where you're going, like you mentioned, your higher Mm -hmm. self. I know I want to be that person because deep down in my heart, I feel that I don't want to be the person that he acts. I want to be the person that's always loving and understanding and compassionate. So now I have a destination. I'm aware of the problem and what I want Mm -hmm. to go. And now I need to put the work in. And I think if we have all three, and to your point, it sounds like we can make everything happen. You can take any scenario and if you have awareness of it, a destination in mind, so your goal, and then the, you put in the work. I mean, every, nothing can stop you, really. Yeah, and, and like if I look at my life now and obviously like all the work that I've put in and stuff, like I've been able to create a reality for myself where I am, I've got very healthy relationships with all my family members and so much love and so much compassion and so much kindness, you know, like I get to travel the world. I'm currently in Cyprus, which is a tiny island between Greece and Turkey, which is amazing. And I have the most wonderful relationship where we are really healthy in the way we deal with things and talk about things. And, you know, it's like, I'm also like very much in love. So it's amazing, right? And I've I've attracted this external reality because I've done the work on my internal reality. And so then when you start to feel worthy and deserving of all these things, then all of a sudden it wants to come to you. And this goes for love, money, relationships, career, you know, like, Everything comes back to, are you able to receive? And again, this is this big masterpiece when it comes to feminine masculine energy, because if we are moving into the feminine energy more, we are also able to receive more because a lot of people are really good at giving. I think we're all really good at like giving, 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 which is so beautiful and so amazing, right? But your capacity to give is also your capacity to receive. It's the paradox. So the more you are able to receive, so the more you give, the more you yes, receive. Yes, and vice versa, right? But if you you can give, 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 but you can only go up into a certain point because you have to also be able to receive in the same capacity. So this is when receiving and the feminine energy of like allowing and receiving is so important, not just for females, also for males, to integrate those two and to find that balance back again. And like another important thing that I want to speak into here because I think it's a, it's a, it's a key point is that at the moment, the energies of the earth are moving into a feminine energy. So if we look back at the prophecy, the Holopi prophecy, for example, beautiful native American tribe in the Northern Americas, they spoke about the eagle and the condor. And the eagle is the the masculine energy, the Northern Hemisphere, the Industrial Revolution, the practicality, the analytical. And they say that about 500 years ago, a little bit more, the eagle would rise and the condor would nearly go extinct. And the condor is the 
Southern hemisphere. It's the indigenous. It's the heart. It's the feminine energy. It's the wisdom. It's the receiving. And from the 1990s onwards, the prediction was that the condo will start rising again and we'll fly together with the eagle, which means that we're going moving now in a rapid speed back into this feminine flow of energy. So the more we are sitting in this masculine energy, we're going against the energy of the earth. So it's only going to get harder and we're going to be forced to move into this feminine energy so much more, which is flow, surrender, trust. So this is where it is so important to, to do that work because you can only really flow, surrender, and trust if you trust yourself, right? It co- everything comes from the internal reality first. So if you can trust yourself first and you can believe in yourself and you have this love for yourself, then you are able to allow for the external reality to take you on this beautiful journey called life, you know, because you trust that whatever is happening outside of you is happening for you. That's yeah, so, so well said. And I've, I've heard about the condor and the and uh, ego story as well, and it's it's definitely resonates with what we're seeing in the world. And let me ask you this: with the female energies and the story you just told right now, are we referring more to women embracing more of the female energies or the female aspects of it, or are we also talking about men as well allowing vulnerabilities to come up, so allowing those female aspects of one's energies yeah i think it's about an integration of the both to be honest because if we look at i think a lot of males have gone like a lot more in their female energy and the feminine energy which has been really really beautiful and i think it's very needed as well because we're all shifting but in this if us females are moving more into the feminine energy because we are balancing that out in ourselves because it's ultimately you know female masculine energy it has to be a balance the more the male the, the males are able to step into their leading masculine role as well because for example you know you're sitting on the couch with your spouse or your partner and you know you, you both individually have your own jobs and you're busy in your mind and you're doing all these things and blah, blah 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 it's very common i think nowadays to just sort of like everyone's doing their own thing and like you're not really you know leaning on each other but us females if we have the ability to be in our softness and be in our like surrendering and, and and be like, oh, hey, like what I need right now is for you to just put an arm around me because I've had such a difficult day at work or I would love for you to just, you know, hold me for a moment and I've had a, and you cry or whatever. And then the male can step in this role of, hey, I'm here for you and I protect you and I can, you know, support our family and I can support you, which is really healthy because then the male feels like he has a role to fulfill, right? Rather than, oh, we're just, you know, you're doing just as much as I do. And I'm not necessarily speaking about, you know, equality or like money or how much people are bringing to the table. But it's more this beautiful stability that males can offer females, you know, to be the the stability in the family. And it's, it's again, like I just spoke about, it's the sun. The sun is stable, it goes up and it goes down, it goes up and it goes down. And we're the moon, right? So we're going through all these phases. So the more we as females can embody this feminine energy again and find the balance in that, the more the males can find the balance in, yes, also their feminine energy, but also their masculine energy of the warrior, you know, the the protector, the the, the provider. And I think that is a balance that we're really going back to if we're looking at the eagle and the condor prophecy where they'll rise and fly together again, which is the beautiful balance that we're looking for. Exactly. That's so well said. Thank you for going deeper into that, Stephanie. So 
I know you mentioned plant medicine in the past. I want to go back a bit with the, the Kambu experiences mm-hmm. you've had and you becoming a practitioner. For those that don't know in the audience, can you tell us a bit more about Kambu, why it is, and your experience with it and why you believe plant medicine in general, or even Kambu specifically, can help people on these yeah. journeys? So Kambu is basically frog medicine from the Amazon. So it's from a tree frog, the Phylomedusa bicolor that lives two to 300 meters up in the trees. And we work with the secretion of this frog. So you sit in ceremony and you go through this whole process with the frog. And ultimately, it's a cleansing process of the body. So it's a beautiful detoxification on a cellular level in the body. So it really helps it like candida, cancer. It can really do a lot when it comes to your health. But it also clears, they call it panema. And panema is like a negative energy that you're holding with you or like you know, beliefs that are not serving you or whatever. And it can really help you because you're going into this deep purging process. And for me, when that I kickstarted that journey, when I had a really bad staph infection that I got from my ex-partner and he got it from a hospital. And basically it was quite painful and I didn't really know what to do. I tried all the antibiotics. I tried all these like topical creams. Like I tried so much and nothing worked and it just kept coming back. And then I did my first ever Kembo ceremony. And after that, they disappeared and they never, never came back. So I was like, whoa, this is incredible. Wow. I can't believe that this is not something that is more, you know, people don't know about. And this is when I started my interest in plant medicine. And now after having done ayahuasca ceremonies and San Pedro and, you know, meeting more and more of these beautiful plant medicines, I can now see how this is such an important part of our awakening it's such an important part of this shifting in consciousness that we're witnessing right now because for a very long time, I don't know if you are familiar with the Taurus field, but for a very long time, I thought, oh, okay, our, all our expertise and all our new information comes from above, like whatever you call it, God, God, source, energy, extraterrestrial beings, like whatever, it comes from above. But now that I've connected so deeply with plant medicine, it's like, For me, it's the other way around. Like we have to go through Mother Earth first because there lies so much wisdom there, especially when you're doing like things like ayahuasca ceremonies where you are able to move through quite a bit in a very short period of time. And it's not necessarily always easy, but with so much love, you know, so much unconditional love and you truly get to see um, your generational trauma and like all the stuff that has been holding you back in the past. And I am not saying that everyone should go ahead and try because this is really something that you have to be really ready for. And you have to have done already some work in order for the journey to be more smoothly, I would say. But yeah, that really spiked my interest of like, wow, you know, like plant medicine is such an important part of my life. And it's actually the same with cannabis, you know, like I have a lot of clients that come to me that, for example, overuse cannabis. And I really help them reframe this whole process, you know, because like, Every substance abuse is just a coping mechanism, but the problem is the root cause of that coping mechanism. That's the problem. It's not what substance you use. It's like, no, we have to look at what's the root cause. And ultimately, it's just about loving yourself through those parts of navigating that journey and having healthier ways of coping. Because I personally think that cannabis or Santa Maria, how they call it, is a beautiful medicine to work with as well, because it's a beautiful amplifier of what is already there. So like there's all these different ways of of navigation of how you can look at things. And so it's interesting because when people tell me, oh yeah, when I smoke, I feel so paranoid and I'm so like self-aware and it's 
I always giggle a little bit and I'm like, well, yeah, because that's something that is already there, but it's just amplified, right? Thank you for explaining all those. And I resonate with you that just the plant medicines are beautiful, may not be for everyone, right? And everyone has to do or come to the journey on their own, do some work and see if that's the next step they want to take. And cannabis, of course, in Canada, where I live, it's legal now and people can buy it anywhere and can use it. But I've also experienced that with others in my life where I've seen the effects it can have if it's overused, right? If it's, or if it's not used intentionally. Because from my limited experience and knowledge with plant medicine, is the idea that every time you partake in plant medicine, you have to set your intentions, mm -hmm. right? You have to have at least an idea of what you're wanting to work on. How have you seen that work in your case and with, a, with your clients? How, how important is intention? I think setting? In, intention setting is important in everything in life, not just plant medicine. I set my intention every single morning when I wake up. I said, you can even go as far as like, you know, before you get in the car, you set the intention that you'll arrive safely at your ne next destination. Everything is intention. And the more we start becoming aware of that, the more we can see that, wow, I create my own reality because my intention is everything. So it's not just in plant medicine. I believe that's in every single aspect in our life. And like every healing journey that you partake on has to start from an intention, right? It has to start with like, okay, what's the outcome that I want from this? This is the outcome that I want. This is the intention that I have for it. And let's go on a ride, you know, it's, it's, it's with plant medicine, but it's with everything in life. Like it's, you know, when you move into a new house, like when I move into a new place, I take the time to set the intention. What do I want from this new place that I live in? What do I want to welcome in? What do I want to release while I'm here? You know, like you can set intention with everything. Such a powerful message, mm -hmm. Stephanie. And you just got me thinking about something. It's almost like we can set intentions. And if we don't, our brain will do it for us based on all the conditionings and everything that we've learned in life, right? Because I would imagine everything that we do in life to your point, we'll have an intention behind it. If we're conscious about it or not, I think that's what the story changes. Mm, totally. And it's like, you know, this this metaphor of like, okay, well, you're driving in a car and are you choosing to just remain in the passenger seat? Or will you now take the step and step in the driver's seat, which means that you're going to have to navigate the journey, which is difficult because you'll have to all of a sudden take accountability and ownership for all of the things that you've done in the past. And so guilt is a big thing that comes up for a lot of my clients, you know, but like, once you move through that and you realize that you are the driver of your own experience, you can go wherever you want to go. And you're no longer yeah, so it's going on by this, like, making the ride, choice. you know, that you're not knowing where you're going because your unconscious mind just dictates everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And I mean, for me, that goes back to the idea of making a choice. Like you said, do you stay in the passenger seat and go along for the ride? Or do you step in and take some control of the situation? And of course, ideally, you take full control of it down the road. But initially, it's about taking some control of the situation. And of course, the outcomes, right? The, the intentions, the goals, and all, of, all that comes with. Yeah. That. And I think, you know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, this overwhelmed topic is also quite big for most of my clients. And it doesn't always have to be this overwhelming you know first big thing like you can just take one small single step and just take that step and then once you've done that step the next step will reveal itself right so it doesn't have to be this long big thing that you embark on you just do one step at the time and 
this is the, the 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 beauty about you know all these the coaching industry or like the mentors and everyone that's arising in this industry because it all comes from a place of like hey okay like look you're at a i'm at b i've walked from a to b this is my specific genius zone and i can help you get to b all you need to do is to decide that okay i want to step in the driver's seat but hey i don't know how to steer the vehicle can you teach me how to drive the car and that's all a mentor really does it just gives you the right tools to navigate the journey ahead and for me it's a big dedication to my clients that when they work with me, like once they finish, they have all the right tools that they need to navigate the journey ahead. But what is really important to say is that it's really important that they first come back home to themselves to really understand who they are so they know and have clarity and direction of where they want to go. Because I think that is the ultimate, ultimate sort of life goal for most people, you know, like one of the core values for most people is love. Like they really want to find love for themselves, for the people around them. They want to feel loved. But I think purpose is a big one too. People want to feel like they are needed in something or they want to have direction or they want to move through something and they want to go towards something without feeling just like, oh, what am I actually doing in life? And that usually only happens when people float outside of their body because only when you're back in your body can you connect to your hearts. And I truly, truly, truly believe that the heart is the portal into the soul. And when you when you are in direct contact with your soul or your inner being, this is when you can connect with your purpose. This is when you can connect with your intuition a lot more and where you find your confidence and when you find your strength and you find your wisdom that you already have inside of you, all we're doing is remembering what that is. Wow, love that, Stephanie. And it resonates with me so, so well. Looking back, right, when my journey started, it was all about, making intentional choices, but coming back to what's in my heart, you know, what, what do I truly want? What my purpose is? And I remember growing up and always asking myself questions throughout my childhood, adulthood. It's like, what's the purpose of life? It cannot be simply to procreate, live a comfortable life and then die. Right. To me, that never made sense. So asking those questions was important. But to your point, I was asking those questions for many years and I never found the answers because I wasn't ready for the answers or I wasn't doing the work or a combination of that, right? I wasn't ready to go inwards because I was expecting things to come from the outside, from teachers, mentors, work, family, friends, right? Because we were, at least in my growing up, we were thought that everyone else has the answer, but we don't. So once I came back to myself, to your example, once I, I did the work inwards, start, things started to line up and I truly understood, oh, okay, okay, my purpose might be this or it might be this. And now you can start unraveling that. And now you can work with someone like yourself because you've done some of the work. You know that this is what you want. So the mentor, like yourself, guides you on this path. Mm. So you don't get to see the detours as much as others, right? To, to maybe get the shortcuts, right? Because if you were to come visit me where I am now in Canada, you could go drive around yourself, but if you come in the car with me, I can guide you or you can drive and I can be in the passenger seat and I can guide you on the streets that are best for whatever experience you want to do. And I can see that in what you do and what others do in this yeah. space. It's almost the same idea. Let me take you on the scenic route. Let me take you on the route that's going to give you the most pleasure in your heart. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's so like for me, like, it's like language and programs. It's such a big thing for me. So I can so easily see when people you know, are running all these programs and the programs are not necessarily useful, right? So one of the programs that a lot of people are running is that 
well, I can't go on this healing journey because, wow, there's so much stuff there and I just really don't want to start opening this can of worms because it's too much and I can't handle it and it's, I don't have time for that now and it's just like big thing, right? And I call bullshit on that because who said that a healing journey has to be this long, drenched, like this long, hectic journey? That's a program. It doesn't have to be that way. Like it's a program and we get to choose what program we choose to believe is true or not true. And like, for example, one of my core offers is the journey back home to yourself and it's eight weeks. And in those eight weeks, we are able to move so much shit in such a short period of time with commitment, with dedication, with doing the work, right? And it's not to say that it's a a smooth sailing, easy journey, but it gets to be fun. It gets to be enjoyable. You know, my clients do taskings, for example, where I tell them to put on a playlist for an hour and just dance like no one's watching, you know, and just get into this like playful mode of like, I don't give a shit about what anyone thinks of me. I'm here by myself. and I accept myself for who I am. And it gets to be like that. It doesn't have to be this long, dreadful journey that so many people think it's going to be. And therefore, they never take the step, right? Because they get too overwhelmed. And this is what I meant with like, you just take one step at a time. And if you can do one thing differently, you know, if you can change one thing a day or you do one thing differently a day, you'll have a different outcome. If you keep making the same choices, you'll have the same outcome. You'll have to stop making a different choice, get a different outcome. Well said, Stephanie. I love that. And I, I, I believe one of the biggest challenges I see people face in life, I include myself, is that idea of being themselves without fear of judgment. Mm. And I've been someone that growing up and in my 20s and even most of my 30s, I was always worried, oh, what would person A think? What would they think? Or what? How would I be judged if I do A, B, and C, if I truly follow my mm. heart? And I think once I became aware that that's really not such a bad thing, people like to see who you are. Not everyone, but most people would want to see the true, the true you. Then everything changed for me. And it sounds like that's part of what you work with with your clients and some of the biggest aha moments is like realize that, you know, you can enjoy the journey. It doesn't have to be painful. You will, there will be pain, right? Because again, we're looking at the polarity and like you shared that before you have to have everything, but you get to enjoy mm-hmm. it. And the second part of that for me was the idea that I don't have to look only at the destination or where I've come from. I can enjoy the journey as we go along. And I was someone that did not do that. I would always look at the future or at the past and not enjoy the moment. Yeah. And I think that is, yeah, I just, I love that you just said that because I think it's such a big thing, you know, and it's, I mean, you know, you've all these cliches. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey, but it's true. Like we have this life. We chose to be here to live everything and all the whole experience, right? So it's like, we get to enjoy everything and we get to live and we get to feel and we get to move through the emotions, you know, and sometimes it feels a little bit like a roller coaster, but we get to, you know, and I think what you just said before about this whole judgment piece as well, like, you know, if you are really scared of like how other people judge you, and I guess I'm just saying this for the listeners, if they resonated with what you said, it's like, when you really are worried about how people judge you, everything is a reflection of yourself. So it means that you're judging yourself. Everything is a reflection, right? So how you perceive anything external outside of yourself comes from the inside first. So if you're someone that judges other people, then you are probably very hard when it comes to judging yourself. 
If you're someone that puts a lot of pressure on other people, then you probably put a lot of pressure on yourself because everything is a reflection. So the more you can love yourself and accept yourself fully as you are, the more you can love and accept your external reality and the people around you too. So doing the inner work is not only really, really good for yourself, but imagine and just for, and this is the, the, why I do this work, because I understand the ripple effect of what the ripple is on the people around the people that I work with, right? And if we're speaking about nice. energetic frequencies, yeah. which is a big thing that I work with as well, it's like, ultimately, I believe everyone has one and the same purpose, ultimately, right? If we chunk up high enough, we can see that ultimately everyone has the same purpose, and that is to just be happy, to just elevate your frequency and how you get there, you get there, right? But if you are hanging out with people that are really happy and they're really good, you're feeling happy and you're feeling really good. So this is where we can truly see where the ripple effect yep. takes place, where, you know, we, we as a human being have the effect on about, I think it's a radius of like 5,000 kilometers around us just by being ourselves. So that means that if we are collectively elevating the frequency and elevating this state of like being and being more happy, then we can elevate consciousness and we can shift this whole humanity into this new, you know, this new beautiful world that we get to co-create together. Yes, I love that, Stephanie. Absolutely. I mean, 110% agreement with that. And I'm seeing it myself with my journey and the effect it has on the people around me, even if I want it or not, right? Because once, like you said, once you elevate your energies, once you become happier, once you align yourself with your purpose, people will see it. And, you know, unfortunately, some people and experiences will leave your life because now they're no longer on the same mm -hmm. frequency. But imagine all the other ones that come into your life or the ones that stay in your life and how you can help elevate them. And it's the snowball effect, the ripple effect, as you mentioned. And that's the goal of what you and I are doing here with this conversation with the podcast and what you do with your work is the idea of helping people become a better version of themselves, one that they truly love. And because they become a better version of themselves, all of a sudden their world will become a better place without them doing anything else other than working on themselves. Yeah, totally. And it's, this is why the work that we do, you know, like just by having this conversation and just by people listening to these things. And I always say as well, like whatever I teach, like please share it with other people. Like please share the wisdom with other people because it is so potent and it's so powerful to have the awareness of what it is that we are actually doing here and why we chose to be here at this given moment in time, right? If you really take this beautiful zoomed up, zoomed in, zoomed up perspective, it's not a framework, but this zoomed up perspective, it's like, wow, how cool. Like our timelines, timelines intersected right at the perfect moment. And everyone that's listening to this podcast needed to listen to this podcast right now in this moment in time, right? Because there was something in this podcast that they needed to hear. And this is when you take this zoom out perspective where life gets to be really, truly amazing. And once you start tuning into all the signs, you all of a sudden start seeing all these things that are happening outside of you, numbers and things that are coming your way, opportunities. And it's like, wow, it's like life is actually smiling at me. And life is like showing me that I'm on the right path, right? Because everything is flowing and I'm not meeting all these obstacles anymore. And it's just this oh, it's just this amazing feeling that I wish so many more people would have, you know? Yeah, and, I, and I, I believe that they will, especially once more of us share this beautiful message. And I mean, I look at myself, and like you said earlier, we only know our own journeys, right? That we can speak really well to our own journeys. But I look at myself. Six months ago, I was in a miserable state. 
I wasn't allowing people in. I wasn't loving myself. I wasn't doing any of the things that would empower me to become a better version of myself because I was in a dark space and I was repeating similar mistakes and I would get the same outcomes. Then I made the choice. You know, a few months later, started on a journey or restarted on a journey, I should say, to work on myself, to go deeper, to do the things I love, to follow my heart and go deep. And I haven't looked back since. It's one of those beautiful scenarios where like every day is better than the, than the previous and I can't even imagine what the next will bring. The lessons, the experiences, good or bad, right? Everything that kind of kind of ties up together and it shows you what life should be about yeah. and enjoying the yeah. journey. So beautiful. And do you also feel like now that you've gone on this journey that you've, you're just removing all these layers and you're just getting to know yourself better and better and better and who you truly are? Absolutely, Stephanie. That's such a great question. It is. And it goes back to, I think, a couple of things you mentioned around getting to know yourself, but getting to love all parts of yourself. I had an aha moment last week when I'm like, oh, I love myself. I love these parts of me. But then I realized that deep down, there were some parts, some things I did in my past that I'm not proud of, that I don't want to bring mm-hmm. up. And I had this, how I was like, how can I claim to love myself if I don't love every single part of myself? Mm-hmm. And then how does that expand outside of me to those around me? How can I say I love my partner if I don't love these aspects mm-hmm. of her? Mm-hmm. Or the world, right? So that was my one of my biggest aha moments recently is because I've realized that, wait a second, I have to accept all of me. Like what happened in the past, I cannot change. But I can accept those things, learn from them, apply them to my life, and then move along on the journey. Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Beautifully said. And this is, this is also, I think, where present moment really, the, being in the present moment really kicks in because, you know, a lot of people tend to just live in the past so much that, like, you know, wish that still listening to old music and still listening to, like, what was back then, you know. And I think a lot of the next generation – the older generation, I think, is doing that. I see that in my environment quite a bit. Like the older generation tends to look back quite a bit of like, oh, back in the days, this was it was better. And back in the days, it was different. And it's like, yeah, okay, but, you know, we are here right now. And we should look towards where we want to be, you know. We should look to what, towards how we want to feel, you know. And with, with having said that as well, it's like our ego tends to always take us out of the present moment. So we're either like, really busy still with something that happened in the past or we're already really busy with something that has happened in the future, right? And this is just fully eliminating the fact that we are on this beautiful journey, right? And to me, this is why nature has been such an important part of my life because when I'm by the ocean or when I'm in the woods or in the forest or I'm just on a piece of grass somewhere and I'm just present with what's happening right there in that moment in time, this is when we find glimpses of enlightenment, glimpses of ultimate unconditional love for yourself and for the environment because we're just in this beautiful present awareness state where we're not bound by the past and we're not bound or tied to the future and this is also where you get to truly check in with yourself like how am I feeling what's going on what do I truly want in life yes Stephanie and I resonate 100% with the nature aspect of it so I live by the ocean now I'm fortunate enough in Canada but it's also full of beautiful trails and nature. I literally walk outside my house for five minutes, 
have a lake. And I'm in the suburbs, right? I'm not anywhere outside the city. I'm in the suburbs, walk outside five minutes, lake, forest, can go in, hike. And it's funny, the lesson we just talked about, being in nature, being in the moment, was taught to me the most by my Mm. dogs. So I started this process of walking in the morning the last couple of years. And I just realized that once I'm in nature, I feel so much better. I feel so much more at peace. I get more ideas, right? Because now my thoughts are not racing everywhere. But they're getting to see how two animals can just not worry about the past or the future. They're not worried about what they're going to eat tonight, what they're going to do tomorrow, what they did yesterday. They're just enjoying smelling (laughs) the ground, the flowers, right? Walking, enjoying nature. And that was such a huge aha moment for me. I'm like, wait a second. They're just enjoying the moment and I can do the same. I love that. And don't you think that dogs, I love animals, like period, but dogs are just this, they are just this unconditional love. Like they are just unconditionally always there. Like they teach us so much about unconditional love because no matter what we do, you know, they will show up and they will be there. And this is how it should be in our relationship for ourselves, you know? Because I truly believe that, you know, it's, it's a beautiful metaphor because I truly believe that the, the most important relationship that you'll ever have is the one with yourself and you come here by yourself and you go by yourself. And from that, from that beautiful place, you can have beautiful relationships to others. And if you look at dogs, like they are just this unconditional love, you know, like no matter what you do, they will always show up unconditionally, you know, and it's, I just love that as a beautiful example of what it could be. Exactly. Like I could be walking in the door, stressed from, let's say a tough, dead work or whatever else happened in life, right? Let's say someone cut me off on the street on my way back and I was late because of it. And, you know, I got angry. I walk in by the door and I almost forget about all those things. Not almost. I literally forget, at least in the moment. And it teaches you because the dog is like, I don't care what happened. I don't care about that. I'm going to show you love. Yeah, exactly. Right. It just, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful way of looking at life because it's like, can we be more like that? Can we be more in the moment? Can we just enjoy things without worrying about what tomorrow brings? Even though we should, of course, do our best to have positive outcomes, but at least enjoy the moment. And there will be times when, of course, that's easier said than done. Yeah, well, ultimately, I believe, you know, we chose this human experience for a reason because we, you know, I think a lot of us are here to break generational trauma. A lot of us, a lot of us are here to like, really clear out this energetic container of, of shit, you know? So we chose this experience. And so by really embarking on the experience and really allowing ourselves to move through all of it is really what we chose to come here to do. You know, like this is our soul contract. We are here to, yeah, break generational trauma and unleash ourselves from all these perceived limitations, yeah. belief systems and conditioning that is no longer serving us, you know, so we can back, go back to this unconditional love. Now, you mentioned the generational trauma a few times and I actually wanted to go back to that if I may. When I think of generational trauma, I see it in two ways. The trauma that, let's say, our ancestors and whoever was our family lived and that gets passed Mm -hmm. down but also the learned behaviors that that trauma is instilling in each generation of parents and i wonder how you see generation trauma or how you see its impacts on us as individuals Mm -hmm. yeah so i think generational trauma has a couple of sides to it so i think firstly to speak into 
belief systems and stuff, they get passed upon, 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 upon different generational Mm -hmm. trauma, different generations, sorry. And so all these belief systems and limitations and stuff, they are ingrained almost, if you will, like in, 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 in the, in the brain, right? So as children, when we are really open and our parents are reliving this trauma again, or this, this, these belief systems that, as I explained before, as children, we're really open. So we can't see the difference between what they're feeling and what we are feeling because it's an energetical imprint. And so this is where we are being, we're passed on from whatever it is that they went through. But then if we look at, for example, physical disease, you know, that's being passed upon from generations upon generations. And for example, my family is, is, is a good experience of this. Like my mom has really bad my mom has eczema and then my grandma had really bad or psoriasis and my grandma had really bad psoriasis. For example, she used to wear gloves when she was just before she died because like literally her skin was so bad. And so it sent me on a personal journey as well, where I, when I became 30, I was like, oh, wow, like my skin is not feeling great. Like what's going on? And then obviously in my mind, it's like, okay, my mom has this thing. My grandma had this thing. Like, oh my God, what if I'm going to have it too? And I believe that this ease comes from the mind not being at ease, right? Or illness, wellness. So I believe that everything has an emotional cause and that manifests physically in the body. So I started to go on this whole journey of figuring out like, what is this generational trauma in my line or in my family that is causing this skin disease, right? So it took me on this whole journey and then yoga comes in and then we can see, okay, the liver holds anger. And if the liver is not working properly, your filter system for the blood is not working properly. And then the next big organ comes into play, which is the skin. So, okay, liver. So, okay, there's anger there. Okay, why would there be anger? And then I started digging and digging and digging and digging. And then I ended up on this big topic, which is sexual trauma. And I then realized like, oh my God, wow, like that whole thing has been in this lineage for such a long time. And I am here to be the change maker. I am here to break the chain. And, you know, my skin's beautiful and I don't have any problems with my skin because I've done so much work around breaking this. And, you know, so I think generational trauma comes in many different ways and many different forms. And then we can even, you know, look into like past lives and stuff and all the stuff that has happened there. And that's, you know, everything sort of ties in together. Like I could talk about this topic for hours when it comes to philosophy and stuff. But yeah, generational trauma is a big one because I think in order for us to, again, elevate in consciousness, we have to break free from this. We have to clear out this energetic container of shit that is ours, but it's also our ancestors and, you know, our parents and society and conditioning and all the stuff really that we don't need anymore. Yes. Absolutely, Stephanie. That's an amazing way to look at it. And I agree with you 100%. I see that. Let me go a different direction for a second here. I'd like to ask a couple of questions towards the end of our beautiful conversation here. And and it has to do with time Mm -hmm. travel. I know you started your journey around a decade ago for self-discovery. If you could go back in time to that point when you could say, you know, this is when I'm starting my journey. And it could give your younger self one piece of advice that can help you along the way. What would Nothing. it be? I would do it exactly the same. <laughs> Love because that. Because no. everything is always on purpose and in the right timing. So everything happened exactly how it was meant to happen at exactly what time it needed to happen. And so now that I'm in this journey, right, and I'm uncovering so many more things about myself, like especially when 
you know, in the line of work that I'm in, like you have to, you are, it's initiation after initiation after initiation, because everything I'm teaching to my clients, I am going through myself, right? Or I have been through myself. So it's like, I'm super grateful with like all the lessons exactly when they came at exactly what time, because it was all perfect. I love that. But I have a question <laughs> about that. How does that conflict with free will, which we talked that we, we talked about and we, we know we have free will. If everything happens when it's supposed to happen, but I also have free will. Because we can shift in timelines. We can choose what timeline we want to walk on. So if you want to choose the highest timeline where you have the most beautiful experience, you can. But if you're choosing the lowest timeline where your experience is a lot more difficult, then you can, right? So in the past, me, in this case, I have chosen all these lower timelines because I had all these belief systems, right? So this is where the free will comes yes. into play. Because you can choose which timeline to play on. And I'm assuming it's, you know, not assuming, I know it's a scale, right? So you have the lowest and the highest, but there's so many versions. Yeah, in exactly. And, and this is where, again, this unconscious, the unconscious beliefs really kick in because they dictate where you are on what timeline. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's a, that's a brilliant way to answer the question. So if we were to time travel again, but this time in the future, right? 10 years from now. You see all the amazing things you've accomplished, all the people you've helped, the, the journey you've uh -huh. been on and every, every change you made in your life. And you can do one of two things. You can sit down with your older self and have a mentorship session and bring back something to your current life. Or you can just ravel in the beauty of what happened. What would you choose? Would you choose to talk to your older self and bring something back? Or would you choose to just like enjoy and see all the amazing things that happen and then come back, of course, to the present. I think so. I think I would just like really enjoy the fact that, you know, I've, I've stayed consistent and I've pursued the goals and the dreams that I have. And they are very clear to me of what I want to accomplish and to see all the fruits of my labor, you know, and to see, wow, like I really did it. And I really accomplished what I set out to do and all these amazing people that I've helped. And one of my massive purposes, my massive transformational purpose is the Amazon and the rainforest and the deforestation that's happening there, right? So that's a really big, big part of my vision to really make a change and to really make an impact. And I would love to see myself walk around there and to just have all these people around me that didn't have to move, you know, from their tribes and they could stay there because I helped make a difference. And yeah, that would be like, I'm super excited for this moment. 10 years from now, you know, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Exactly. While you're enjoying all the journey that's going to lead you there, right? That's, I think, the key message that we've gone over yes. today. So, Stephanie, before we tell people where they can find more about you and connect with you, is there anything else you'd like to share that we maybe haven't touched on and you believe it's important at this moment in time to share? No, I think we've just about covered everything that we could cover. And obviously, if people have any questions, they can always reach out to me and I'm always happy to, you know, to explain and to, to, to talk about my experiences. And, and thank you so much for just allowing me to, you know, share my story a little bit and, you know, where I've come from, because I think it is a really important thing. Like I think the big distinction, maybe this, this is something that wants to come forward now, a big distinction, I think, between, you know, being a mentor and being a coach is that because I don't really, I don't really like the word coach so much for myself. I really resonate with the word mentor because I believe a mentor is someone that has the, the experience, right? So I've lived the experience and therefore it's much easier to help other people than also with the right tools. 
But when you've lived an experience, I think that's the great difference between a mentor and a coach. Like you've walked the walk and now you can talk the talk. I love that. And I'm with you 100%. Everyone can call themselves a coach, but not that many people can call themselves a mentor. Right? Because the idea is, are you teaching from experience and from something you've lived or are you teaching a hypothetical, theoretical scenario? Exactly. And I think an integration of the two is key to to really get the clients the best results possible. Exactly, exactly. Wow, this is beautiful, Stephanie. Thank Thank you so much. But before I let you go, where can people find you? Yeah, so Instagram is my main platform that I do everything on, which is Chava Wild Roots, and I'm sure you'll put it in the bio. Instagram and on Facebook, my name is Stephanie Cornell, where they can find me as well. And yeah, thank you so much for allowing me to be on the show and, This is an amazing conversation. I'm so happy about everything that we've spoken about and you sharing a little bit with your journey with me. And thank you for being also open and doing this amazing work. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I can't thank you enough. I've learned so much. I have new perspectives now as well. Lots to digest (laughs) and lots to go through. And I cannot wait for our audience to to hear and see this beautiful conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for being with us today. To find out more amazing content and episodes, please visit UnleashThyself.com or you can find us on social media.